0: I just hit control M. Namely when I have to burp after eating really delicious pie. Oh, that was that was pleasant.
1: It's just cause you said burp. So but you felt like Yeah. <laughs> I figured I would try and burp on demand and it worked.
2: <laughs> awesome. So, the way to get more listeners, there's a special formula for it, is to go in game and whisper a bunch of strangers and call them bad names.
0: Hello listeners to the Relics of War podcast, my name is Ryan Singleton and I'll be your host.
2: I'm Astara Birchall.
0: And I'm Cal Agburn. And this is the podcast about Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2, which is a game that I have been playing quite a bit lately, my wife also. Um, have you been on lately, Cal?
1: Uh, no, i say not recently, because I've been too busy working stupid work. Yeah. I didn't even ask Astara, because I'm pretty
0: sure she hasn't. Hey! You guys have a pretty crappy internet situation, don't you? Yeah. We can't go into too many specifics about that.
2: Our neighbors don't mind.
0: Oh, okay. So they know that you're, you're thieves and they're cool with that.
2: No, shh. Don't talk too loud. <laughs>
0: That's what they get for not securing their
1: interwebs.
0: But, uh, yeah, in, in-game, in I have a little story for what happened to me in-game. It was actually a couple weeks ago, but forgot to talk about it last time. There's a listener to the show, uh, The Grim Cow, sent me a uh, in-game tell- just telling me, you know, that's a good show you guys got going on. Keep it up. But the problem was at the same time, my friend Ben, his wife was trying out Guild Wars. So um, she, she's a little bit of a smack talker. So we ended up talking a little bit of smack. And I think it had something to do with necros or something. So right as this guy whispers me, I, I go to type in Guild Chat. And for some reason, I ended up in a whisper. And I whisper with something to the effect of your mom likes to necro. And I'm pretty sure at that moment, he was just like, okay, can I take my compliment back now? So yeah, noob chat moment. It's a good time. That's your whole, like, I am ashamed to know you, Sai, isn't it?
2: Indeed. I use that a lot around Cal.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Well, at least this time it wasn't in regard to Cal. <laughs> Makes a change. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, good bad. Does anything happened for you guys this week? Anything cool?
2: We were up late last night playing D&D, and uh, David almost killed my character.
1: I'm awesome like that.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I even bribed him. Mind. Yeah. I uh I even tried to bribe him. I brought some pie. It was a tasty cherry pie. And he's but like, it wasn't lemon, g- g- lemon meringue
1: pie. Stupid not lemon meringue pie.
2: So that's a patient like... brought us some pie and so uh my receptionist and I split it and I said, I'm gonna take half a pie down to the game and then you know. It didn't work. But I also bought you a new DS game and I was like, Please don't kill my character.
0: Uh huh. Well, I just had a cookies and cream pie, since we're talking about pie. Mm. Oh, it was good. It was the Oreo cookies and cream type pie. It should be a little bit more wired right now. Because you're just eating a whole pie to yourself. Well, oh, that would be bad. It'd be That would be like a pancreatic defibrillator. As you swallow it, you go, clear! But no, my pancreas is not on strike at the moment. <laughs>
2: And then also, I'll have you know that I am here recording and skipping going to a special screening of the new Twilight movie where all of the actors are going to be there.
0: All the actors are going to be there?
2: Not all of them, like three of them.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's been kind of a hot topic lately. I've I've had some friends blasting each other on Facebook about it and stuff because
2: it, it has been. It's it's like this huge. There's a bunch of teenage girls and actually actually adult women who are all gaga over the. And, uh, yeah, I'm not really that fussed. I um, was. I heard that these the actors were gonna be at two theaters, and one of them is the one that we go to right near our house. And uh, I was like, yeah. Uh, last time I went to the movies there, it was it was just a regular like Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, and I almost got killed in the parking lot because the drivers are insane. They like almost smashed into me like four times just trying to park, and uh, I just can't imagine what kind of a zoo it would be now especially with a bunch of screaming girls. Ugh.
0: Yes, the, the big thing that gets brought up a lot is all these guys talking about how... um, How do I put this? I, I'm sure Trevor's going to hear this and wish he was here because he was one of the people who was just... I think he just got fed up with women that are so crazy about Twilight because what he said was, it's kind of funny how this movie is like every woman's favorite movie except for the only real value this woman seems to have to these men is... Or, Huh. I'm trying to think of a way to...
2: No, I I liked what he said. It was something along along the lines of uh, the the heroine, uh, her whole value is based upon her worth to these men. She has like no worth of her own, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, it's really wishy-washy character, doesn't doesn't really have any gumption of her own. So yeah, it's not a very good person to look up to, particularly.
0: Let's see, here I am trying to scroll through Facebook now just to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor's going to be really sad he wasn't here for this.
2: It sucks to I think not a lot of girls dude. look up to it because, like, the girl is insecure and all these things that they can relate to. But it's really kind of pathetic.
0: But I do have to say, um, my wife has watched those movies. She's not a big fangirl over this stuff, really, but she still watches it, you know? And um, yeah. I have to say, uh, of female characters on movies, I like her better than most. You know, when, when she's dramatic, it's understandable. And she doesn't throw these big fits, and she actually deals with a lot of controversy well. But the dudes, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think the werewolf dude was pretty cool. He was all right, I guess, a little whiny. But the vampire guy, I don't know. Edward.
2: He was better when he was Cedric Diggory.
0: Yeah, because he
1: died. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I he was on there. If only he died in the Twilight series, too. <laughs> they could make that his thing as an actor. He dies in everything he ever does. That would be awesome. <laughs> just kill him over and over and over again. I hate that dude's face. I hate the Twilight posters. They are. They're really stupid. <laughs> the guy who plays the werewolf is topless in every single picture, every single clip. Now, I, I Sarah said there's a story reason for it, but I don't care. He still looks like a tool. Well, it's just like how the, it, it's part of the story, yeah,
0: but he still sparkles in the sun. That's freaking retarded, sparkling <laughs> in the sun.
2: See, that's see that's why they can't go out in the sun. See, because then people would know they're vampires.
1: uh uh-huh, Because because that that's a way bigger drawback than bursting into flames. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> well, they have to be able to go to school and stuff. Yeah, otherwise
1: I mean, how could you have a soppy teen drama if he can't go to high school? Why the hell is he in high school anyway? He's like a 200-year-old vampire. Does yeah, he have enough like a zillion
0: We have completely destroyed Twilight, but um, one vampire movie we saw recently that was good was Daybreakers. Have you seen that? I have not. It's really cool. They turn the tables on the typical story of vampires and people where vampires are the more common thing and humans are less common. And the way it ends is really ironic. I think ironic's the right word there. Yeah. But anyway, you should go hmm. see that. It's really good. It's got Ethan Hawke. It's got, um, is that guy's name? Bruce Greenwood? Is that Bruce? No, that wasn't Bruce Greenwood. Hell if I know. It's got Ethan Hawke, damn it. That makes it good.
2: I see. Sounds good. We have a friend who um is playing a a revenant character and uh he designed it to in a in D&D and he designed it to be like a vampire and uh the the DM was a woman who said, "I'll let you have a +2 to all your attack rolls if you sparkle in the sun." And he's like, "But vampires don't sparkle." But he finally gave in so that he could have a bonus to hit. Hmm.
0: I think he caved in too easy. Yeah. <laughs> Besides, if you sparkle in the sun, wouldn't that make it more likely for you to miss?
2: I think you would prevent uh, present a combat advantage because people can see you. Yeah. There's a ranger skill like that, right? That you put something on the creature's head and they're easy to see. Oh, no, that's in Diablo 2. Never mind.
0: <laughs> they have something like that in WoW also. <laughs>
2: yeah. Amazon's it's rangers.
1: Big, it's a big red arrow in WoW, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when you're in PvP, you get that arrow above your I always played classes that could dispel the magic, so I'd just take it off as stupid hunters. (laughs) Okay, so, enough talk about other games in Twilight. Start Guild Wars and sequels. Team Captain, what be that over there? Or, that be sequel
1: Scuttlebutt. Sequel Scuttlebutt.
0: Oh, I'm on the wrong tab. I'm, like, scrolling through Facebook, like, where's my show notes? (laughs) (laughs) You. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, today's sequel, Scuttlebutt, first topic we want to talk about is activities in the game.
2: This is going to be a great, great idea.
1: This could be absolutely amazing. It could also be really stupid. It could, but I don't think it will be. Um, yeah. In Guild Wars, the first one, we have a, a whole host of time-wasting activities, like all the festivals and things, and people love them. Exactly. Like uh,
0: another game that I used to play would try their hand at stuff like this dumb so stupid but but it's not like an
2: added on thing like playing peggle in game or and while you have to like fly somewhere talking about like actual in-game mini games
0: yeah just walking into the bar and seeing that there's a bar fight happening and being like hell yeah i'm in on this too grabbing a bottle as they keep bringing up cracking someone upside i think there's gonna be a lot of bottles upside the head
2: (laughs) yeah i'd probably be one of the people on the side taking bets about who's gonna win
1: (laughs) you say that so you get a bottle upside your head just saying. Um, I I was following uh, Stargate Worlds, which is currently in limbo due to financial problems. But uh, one of the things they had was a um, they had two non-combat classes, or not non-combat classes, but their abilities were going to be based around um, a series of mini games, uh, and uh, their abilities made the mini games easier. And what they were intending to do is put these minigames in as like a core concept to these classes. But also you could play these minigames and other minigames for purposes of crafting and um, passing time. I, I believe the uh, the two classes that um, were only minor combat could actually do them and gain experience from just doing the, the puzzles over and over again. So uh, and it was one of the things I got really excited about. I, I liked the idea that you could play a class where... Your purpose in combat was to solve a puzzle while everyone else was holding, uh, holding off the hordes of enemies, because um, it was something different. And uh I liked that the mini games were going to be available all the time. It's a great way to waste time while you're waiting for a, a group to be put together for something, while you're just chatting to guildmates or whatever. So I think it could be really, really good, especially they have especially like this in video. Mm, they have those winter game things. You know what DDO needs?
0: They need a game where you can win a pie so that you can bribe people with it.
2: <gasps> awesome. Oh,
0: they
1: need they that. They have little
2: students. puzzles though, um, to get through. Oh, they have missions. little
1: puzzle. Yeah, they have little puzzles like in some of the missions where you have to solve the puzzle to progress in the mission. Most of them are relatively simple. There's a, uh, I don't think like any of them are massively difficult.
2: No. One of them's None of awesome. them took more than like two minutes.
1: Yeah. One of them's awesome though because when you are solving it and turn the pieces into the right place, monsters appear.
2: <laughs> oh, cool. So you could have, like, one person doing the puzzle and other people holding the enemies off.
1: Yeah, well, they, they just appear like one, and then when you finish the puzzle, you can just kill them all and then jump down the big hole that opens in the middle. But uh, Yeah, but I yeah. mean,
2: if you're going to incorporate it into a combat situation, like, let's yeah. say you had a time limit to do the puzzle, and you don't have time to stop doing the puzzle and kill an enemy and go back to the puzzle.
1: Yep. Well, um, one of the things they were talking about in Stargate. Now, obviously, Stargate. Uh, for anyone who's watched the series, knows that um, the the like solving a problem while facing off against a horde of enemies is like a, a common problem. Be it dialing up a stargate or defusing a bomb or whatever. So they wanted to put this into the missions. Like, uh, so you'd have one class like a scientist, and they'd be disarming a bomb while the rest of the players in the group would be stood fighting off enemies to buy that person time to defuse the bomb. Yeah.
0: That's kind of so, a cool idea as long as they didn't spend too much time like uh chilling out doing nothing cuz hey, there's only fighting happening here. I'll just stand well, here and solve why that, you, your pancreas yeah. is
1: in shock. Yeah. That's the whole point. I mean, they uh the, there's a time limit on the bomb, obviously, cuz it's going to explode and uh then of course you're facing off against hordes of enemies. So if you take too long, everyone's just going to get overrun. Hmm. So yeah, the, the way I
0: perceive what they've got here for Guild Wars 2, I'm wondering how you could use it to bide your time for stuff, you know, when waiting for groups or whatever. And it's probably yeah. like just in chat you're talking with your buddies and, hey, we're going to go do this dungeon. We're still forming the group. Okay, well, I'll be in this bar over here getting sauced. and.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but you have no idea how many hours have been put in on my account sitting in the guild hall having not moved after logging in and just sitting there and talking to people. And yeah, all I'm during just... that time, if... If they had mini games to play that like take no real like mental capacity to do and it's just like something to like kind of play with while you're chatting and stuff, I'm sure it would do tons of that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not naysaying it at all there because I've spent my time in, in in any game that I've played that's an MMO just sitting there chatting with people. People going, "So what are we gonna do next? Uh, I need a piece of gear from that dungeon, I guess."
2: Yeah, a lot of times we would sit in sit and chat and then finally if someone was like I need help with a mission we would go help them and then we just go back to the guild hall and sit and talk some more
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so uh, it seems that the the acceptance of activities has been pretty high people like the idea can't wait to see how they execute it though because in a persistent world like a lot of times activities in an
1: MMO don't take advantage of the persistence so I hope they do mm, it'd be interesting to see if they can incorporate something that does the problem with most activities is they need to be repeatable play them like over and over again so yeah what Um, i'd like to see is uh the activities be cooperative so as well as being able to do them on your own if you have two or three people who want to play the same activity that would be nice like the target shooting range if three people could try and team up to get a high score or whatever would be nice Or if there's some guy
0: spamming local maybe be able to turn around and pop him in the face yeah Drag his ass into the bar fight. <laughs> now something we haven't I haven't heard many people talking about at all. It's kind of one of those assumed things that everybody understands about Guild Wars 2, but some people might not know why ArenaNet hit the reboot button on Guild Wars just to make the second one.
1: Um, there's a whole host of reasons, but it basically boils down to they wanted to do stuff they couldn't do with the current game engine. Yeah. For example, like I said, the persistence,
0: persistence yeah. being those MMOs where you can just start walking out into the world and you see other people fighting all these monsters and you can help them. You can steal their mob, whatever. Uh, that was a good argument for
1: persistence. But that's
0: what they want. Yeah. People seem of the to other-
1: love that. One of the other things is they wanted to incorporate movement and make it more important in combat. Like moving in Guild Wars is quite important, but they wanted to add like jumping and moving around, using uh, terrain to your advantage and all that kind of thing. So they wanted to get away with the not having the Z-axis thing um, to be able to incorporate some some more advanced movement in their combats.
2: I love being able to use... Uh, having to incorporate... Uh, terrain into your tactics like you can't move into this area whereas normally you would right because there's some big like acid pool or you can uh jump behind a tree and gain cover and then step out again things like that i think are a lot of fun that make uh it less uh tank and spank you know you have to like think about what you're doing and where you're positioning yourself
0: yep yeah so
1: movement that was one of them There were guys there's so many reasons There's also just one of them was um You could only play humans in the original Guild Wars because of the storyline. You could only play humans. They wanted to expand on it. They had the char they wanted to expand. They they brought in the Asura and the Norn, and they were like, we want to add these things and make it so people can play them. But with the current game engine, there's no way of doing that. It would take a quite substantive rewrite, and if they're going to do that, and extensive a rewrite, they may as well just go ahead and write an entire new game engine.
2: I want to play a Mersat and then have bonuses to hit everybody who's not infused.
1: (sighs) Yeah, but but everyone's armor starts as infused. Because it's 250 years in the future, so they've got like an infusion factory going on in like the Char homelands.
2: D'aw.
0: Yeah, they're going to have some sort of a a safety, an OSHA type institution. Like, you can't make clothes unless you infuse them, people. Yeah.
2: So everybody now has like heroes' clothes.
0: (laughs) Yep, exactly. So there's that um with another thing that's changing with Guild Wars too is the kind of bad guys actually the whole world's changing. So the antagonists yes. are changing a lot too. And starting off with Zaitan, he's like the big example of the big bad guy. Kinda like is I he, think he's like
1: Abaddon was in the original Guild Wars. Is he the is he the destroyer dragon that we see at the end of Eye of the North, or is he the undead dragon that comes up out of the sea? Isn't Zaitan the
0: undead one that comes up out of the sea?
1: Yeah, I thought so. Who's the destroyer one? The one so that's so all, like, fire and rock? Primordus was that his name? Could have been. I don't remember. I don't remember the names of any of the dragons. <laughs> but I know there's, like, is it six? I'm Googling Guild War <laughs> plus Primordus. <laughs> Elder dragons.
2: going to sit here and go. look pretty.
1: Yeah, Primordius is the destroyer dragon.
0: Okay, yeah. So, Zaitan's the dude that comes... He, like, raises ore with him, as I recall. Yeah. So, he's, like... You know, Abaddon was kind of behind every thing that happened in Guild Wars. I imagine Zaitan's gonna be like that, where he's the ultimate dragon. And when we talk about dragons, um, these are like an ancient dragon, not the types like Glint and the ones you saw in Prophecies. These are huge dragons, from what I saw in the concept art, like enormous. Like they, they like span the whole width of a, a river and stuff like that. Or was it a sea? I don't recall. But they're they're godlike in their strength. So. That's why they are a force to be reckoned with despite the fact that you've destroyed a god two hundred and fifty years ago.
1: Yeah. Well, um they were gods before the gods existed.
0: Yeah, yeah, they've just been put in kind of a slumber.
1: Yeah. They were like the original gods of um gonna say Tyria. I don't know what the entire world is called.
0: It's Tyria. They have like they it have is. a country called Tyria, and then they've got the entire world of Tyria. And then okay. Ilona is part of Tyria also, I believe. Um, if I'm wrong, you know, there's a few places I think we could be completely wrong, and I'm gonna get my butt handed to me.
1: So, I look forward to that. The the shoreline goes, like, um, you have, um, Tyria, the nation, like, um, in the, like, northwest, and then, like, southeast of them is where Alona is, and then I think, like, off in the ocean is where Cantha is, but I'm not entirely certain. It's probably an overall map somewhere with their relative positions.
2: It's because, uh, the Tyrian nation, they're all stuck up and think that they're the best, which they are, and so that's why they're like, we're the world.
1: It could just be that the whole point of view you see in the original game is from there. It's from there. So they call it Tyria because to them, the whole world is Tyrion. It is
2: the world, yeah. yeah.
1: So Tyria is kind of the United States of Guild Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. full of I mean,
2: See, that's why I'm playing a human, I always awesome. say. I- yeah, you know, I am a arrogant, uh, obnoxious American. So then I'll be an arrogant, obnoxious human in game.
0: You'll see. Okay, I'm more arrogant than that.
1: So I'm a Sura. Oh yeah. <sighs> I love how you're having an arrogance contest. That's not American at all. It's not a contest. <laughs> you can't. You can't compete with my
0: arrogance. Trust me. People have tried. That's a rather arrogant statement. Oh yeah, never mind. Yeah, there you have it. Okay. Um. Now, of the professions in Guild Wars 2, y- you know how in Guild Wars there were the the cloth wearers. The actually no, they're not cloth wearers in that game. There's just the people with like 60 armor, 80 armor, and 100. Was that it? No, 60, 70, 80. 60, 70, 80. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't deserve to be as arrogant as I am, but I am. Um, there's going
2: to. No, be... that's that's perfectly American. You're totally arrogant, yet you're ignorant. That's yes, awesome.
0: Un- Unjustifiable. Yeah. As arrogant as I am, you think we're gonna get sandblasted by some Americans on this episode? They're gonna be like, "You know what? This uh, show
2: is gonna come out right after Fourth of July."
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh god, I'm looking forward to this. But the of the different armor types in this one, or profession types, there's gonna be scholars, adventurers, and soldiers. So they actually have a name for the three different types. It's kind of similar. There's the people who are wearing the clothy, lightweight stuff. Adventurers are a little bit more. Sending each other Skype messages during podcasts.
1: (laughs) I love how I derailed you by just making it go bing. I'm so terrible.
0: (laughs) I'm so terrible at (laughs) multitasking. But yes, anyway, so um, I have those three names right, correct? I have the scholars, adventurers, and soldiers?
1: Uh, Yes.
0: Okay. Soldiers, obviously, being plate wearers. Or yes. plate. I mean, I'm relating this way too much to other games because they haven't said, hey, these guys wear plate, but they're the dudes in the armor, the heavy armor.
1: It's uh-huh. light, medium, and heavy armor. Yes. Think of it that way. Good job. What was the question? Uh,
0: the question is is cookies and cream pie at least somewhat as good as lemon meringue?
1: No. <laughs> I love cookies and cream. You can love it all you like. It's still not better.
0: It's been a while since I've had lemon meringue. I'm going to have to get some just to compare.
1: Yes, welcome to Speculator's What's Corner. The, uh, login what kind of yes. we,
0: we got an email from the Grim Cow, going back to him again, who, uh, what did he say? I'm going to actually pull up the email here and read verbatim. He says, hey guys, been listening to the show since I was turned on to it by Guildcast. I am listening to you guys talk about what might become of the Necro. A while ago, I came across something called Guild Wars Utopia. Guild Wars Utopia is the name... Of the cancelled campaign four, which was later adapted into Eye of the North. In Utopia, <laughs> were two supposed classes called Chronomancers and Summoners. I think these are two mysterious. These are the two mysterious classes everyone is wondering about. And then he attached some links to them, which I'll put in the show notes.
2: Well, we talked about a summoning class.
0: Yeah, that really seems to be in the works. But um, uh, how do I go about this? I don't think was is it. Am I screwed up in thinking there was a point where an ArenaNet developer said there will not be Chronomancers, at least upon release of Guild Wars 2? I, I don't.
2: Either don't, way.
0: I thought I read that somewhere. I may be wrong. In which case, sorry, dude. Sorry for saying, you know, that. Because <laughs> I, I responded to him and said that. But also, um, uh, with the summoners, I think we've all been kind of on to that, that there's going to be a new completely summoner class in which we thought the Necro was going to get melted into. But later on, we'll discuss why maybe not. No, it still is. Oh, okay. And since this would make a nice... We
2: want to talk about the Necromancer right now. Yeah, my
0: segue (laughs) sucked right there. Good job. Okay, fourth variety. so here's
2: the thing. It was just as good as
1: any of your segues. (laughs) Well, that's not saying much. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the thing is that people are going like, oh my god, there's going to be Necromancers in Guild Wars 2. In the Ghost of Ascalon novel is, there's a part in this where the Silvari character is described as being a necromancer. But the thing is, if you read this clip, it's just, it's an introduction to each of these, um, new races. But it's only, uh, you can tell that it's very soon after the current Guild Wars storyline because the human is describing the Silvari as barely older than he is. So it's only like 40, maybe 50 years after our current the, Silvar- guilders,
1: really. the Silvari race is only that old. Is what
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. They, like the Silvari have just been born, um, and then in the little action sequence that's described, um, an supposed- animated skeleton pops out and attacks them. So then there's you know different necromancer things described in it, and the Silvari is is a necromancer in this, but it's still way at the beginning of this. 250-year span of time that these books are supposed to cover.
0: So, yeah. so what you're saying is that all of this is taking place very close to the time of Guild Wars, not Guild Wars 2.
2: Exactly. Right.
0: So that's and not the really.
2: Point is that I'm thinking is, I mean, they're getting attacked by undead creatures. And Cal brought up a really good point, was that um, the whole nation of ore coming up is going to be full of undead, right? It's like a bunch of things that are going to be rising up to attack basically the rest of the world if undead are now like this huge enemy anyone who's focused on necromancy is gonna be looked upon as an ally of the enemy
1: not just uh, there's not just Aur, actually. I was just thinking about this there's also Paula Yoko's army coming from the desert mm-hmm. they yeah, yeah. join with um with Zaitan the who we talked about earlier the dragon who raises the nation of all and there's the so big there undead dragon right massive yeah there are two massive undead armies that stomp across the world. So I would imagine that necromancers get looked down on more than a little, not welcome in a polite society anymore.
0: In the thread on Guild Wars 2 Guru Forums, where the fourth variety brought up this topic, one thing he said was Last I heard, the book takes place shortly before Guild Wars 2 and concerns itself with the human char ceasefire.
1: Which the is why th- C- The series takes place across the. It bridges basically Guild Wars One and Guild Wars Two, the the series of three books. Uh, like I said, from the excerpt which I can't find right now. Hang on, let's see. I'm gonna find that line again because we already know the Silvariani crop up like 20 or 30 years after Guild Wars One. So where is it? I just oh. sent it. I, I've got the link. I'm trying to find the actual lines. Ah.
0: The there's a statement in the Frequently Asked Questions of Ghosts of Ascalon that says Ghosts of Ascalon takes place one year prior to Guild Wars Two major world oh, shaking events occur between Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2
1: that will have a huge impact on the story. I think it's...
2: Then that doesn't make sense.
1: I'm it confused. It doesn't make sense given, given what they've already told us. Where is this now? Da, 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 da. What's he talking about the Silvari?
0: I believe we're going to be needing some listener inter- intervention.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Especially because it's really hard to like do full-on research during a show. Look at
1: how prepared we've been.
2: <laughs> well, if it's supposed to be that late on, that means the Silvari aren't going to be born for another 200 years.
1: The Silvari were a recent addition to the world. Their entire race only a little older than Dougal himself. And uh, Dougal's a human, so he's no older than, like, 60, and that's presuming he's old. And we were, we were told that the We don't the Silvari think so.
2: He's a, he's a, like, 30-year-old ranger or something like that from the description yeah. in here.
1: And we were told, I believe, that the Silvari cropped up, like, 20 years or so after um, Guild Wars 1. Maybe we can make a contest out of this.
2: Or we could wait a couple of weeks and read the book.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, that requires but, research and,
1: you know. Reading, which I'm not very good at, we know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, if you guys find anything, if I do too much research, I'm going to screw up my recording here. So, um, moving on from that, just know that there's a possibility that the Necros actually will be in the game. And for some reason, we didn't see it in that original concept art or... You know, well, the I... thing is,
2: I think there will be necromancers in the world. I just don't think there will be a playable rate, uh, playable class for us. Yeah, I don't there think There will be so. enemy necromancers.
0: That's true. That's possible. <laughs> because I'll there's just... going
2: to be a bunch of undead. There's going to be things like that, somebody using Blood of the Master or, or something similar, right, to keep their undead armies alive.
0: So now we see what good all the speculation upon the potential professions does for us. Nothing. Yeah. But I'm mm-hmm. glad we do it.
2: Well what would there be to talk about if we didn't
0: Yeah, exactly. There would be mounts. Let's talk about mounts. A lot of games have mounts. So, isn't if this game's persistent,
1: like, what's that? I said isn't that speculation again?
0: Yes. In a persistent world like this, what we'll probably need is some means of traveling. Um, every game I've seen that had persistence did that. I mean, I don't think map travel is going to be an option for us, do you? Um, possibly,
1: but probably only between like,
2: well, I don't Major. Uh, routes.
1: Yeah. Between like map a, travel is awesome. It, yeah, it is.
2: Okay, I can be in one part of the world, and somebody goes, "I need help in this totally other side of the world." It doesn't take me 15 minutes to get there.
1: Yeah, that's actually a big advantage.
2: I mean, map travel is like the best thing. I mean, it's not the best thing about Guild Wars, but it is a fantastic thing about the traveling Guild Wars. Is you can meet up with your friends practically instantaneously, and you don't have to go. Okay, I need to. Um, Take a horsey ride, or hop on a boat, or something like that, to get all the way over to you. And by then, you're sitting around for like thirty minutes waiting for me to come help you with a quest.
0: So you guys, you're hoping that we don't get mounts. We just get map travel to. Here's here's what I'm thinking. No, I'm hoping we well, get mounts. No, no,
2: boat. no. Okay. You need mounts to get across certain landmasses, But like, if there's if there's map travel between major outposts,
0: yeah, okay,
1: I'm with you. There. You
2: can you can map to like one section, and it only takes you, like, two minutes to ride to where you're trying to get.
1: Yeah, I would love that. Instead of, like, 20 minutes to run from, like,
0: one place to another. And in Eye of the North, there were a few different kind of mount-like things, elements to the game. Uh, There was the giant scorpion in the char areas and stuff like that. So I'm wondering if that was any sort of dabbling or experimentation in what they could do for...
1: What they want to do, or was it just Eye of the North having fun? I don't think, um it'll be you, well they i don't think it was kind of like experimentation for mounts i think it was probably more for um siege vehicles for like um pvp or even uh, some of the event based things
2: yeah there was the uh, the worms in alona that do that too sandworms yeah,
1: yeah. but I, I all those kind of things are more like siege vehicles than they are yeah. like uh, than they are like mounts
0: it's a question i see cropping up a lot though personally yeah i think they were just doing that for guild wars just giving us something fun to do in the game. Mm-hmm. And any mounts or mount type mechanics in Guild Wars 2 will... I hope they're a little bit more unique than things we've seen in other games. Here, we've got a shiny blue griffin or whatever. Give us something that you know fits a little bit more into the lore. Make it a little more special.
1: The thing is, I can't think of very many creatures which would make good mounts from Guild Wars lore. There's like a couple of pack mounts, but... A roller beetle. How on you earth do you use a roller beetle as a mount? Well, maybe you can get inside his shell. That's, That's just
0: disgusting.
2: <laughs> Ew. It's like a little pill bug and he wraps around you? Yucky.
0: I think the roller beetle mount was brought up on Guildcast, now that I think about it. Did I read it off? Oh. I'm sorry, Ruby, if I stole an idea you had there. I'm I'm with you on it. Roller beetle mounts.
1: You. <laughs> as a new player to
0: Guild Wars... Oh, Togo, I just want to get through this already, shot. Ah! Alright, um, talking about the original Guild Wars here for Togo Soapbox. If I make an Elementalist, what's to stop me from going secondary monk and just playing as a monk while I'm an
1: Elementalist? You um, can. Yeah, n- nothing, but there are different advantages to either. Being a primary, ele- primary Elementalist, you get energy storage instead of...
2: What I Divine Favor. It?
1: Divine Favor, yeah. So you have more energy, but your heals heal for less. But as an elementalist, you get access to skills which you can use to keep your energy topped up a little easier than if you're a monk. So it's kind of...
2: Yeah, so if people thought um, an elementalist would make a better monk because it has more energy, but the thing is, uh, a well-built monk, can they regenerate their energy faster and so can continue healing through a longer period of time, generally, than an elementalist can, depending on the build, of course.
0: And the divine favor... Attribute is nothing to scoff at because there's a slew of skills underneath it, like unyielding aura and stuff. Plus, oh, yeah. every heal you put off, whether it's protection or whatever, also causes healing to the target if it's an ally a certain yeah. amount. So, I mean, there's there's a huge benefit there. And that's how it is. That's basically the point of this topic is the importance of your primary profession, which is usually your primary attribute. And the fact that you can actually rune for your schools. Wait a second. Well, you, well your you,
2: your primary attribute... If you use it as your secondary, you can't pump additional points into it. So it's like, you can't make those skills any better. They'll always be the same. But if you play that as your primary, you can focus on it.
0: Yeah, and sometimes there's like a skill in a primary school that still works really great, like Glyph of Lesser Energy for an Elementalist. That -hmm. thing works great for any class, even with no points in energy storage Right. right off the bat. So, I mean, there's... Sometimes there are exceptions to the rule, but typically it was just a question that was asked of me when I first started playing Guild Wars was if I choose a profession, I mean, really, is it that strict? And it kind of is, and it's kind of not at the same time. Like you can be a necromancer with a ritualist secondary and be an awesome healer thanks to a few builds that have been discovered. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, I mean, if you want to be a healer, well, go with the class or go with a profession that's very well capable of healing, which most people would not think of a necromancer for that. I do love that though. I love that some necros out there have that option now.
2: Yeah. Well, you gain energy when things die, right? Mhm. So if you keep your party alive and they kill stuff, then you get energy. So, but uh, then what if what if there's like a big person and nothing's dying, right? And you're trying, you're struggling to keep your energy up.
0: Yeah. If you're going to fight Abaddon, that well, it even works decently with Abaddon, but because he's got those ads. Mhm. The the problem is there's a limit
1: on how often you can gain energy from soul reason
0: I you know that recently I was able to heal a hard mode Zeishon mission of... What was it? It was some prophecies. But anyway, it was it was a tough one. And um, I was the only monk. And then there was a Necro Writ. And he did really good. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you can only gain energy from soul reaping three times every 15 seconds.
0: Yeah. So there's that. I thought I'd add in another Togo Soapbox segment since there's a lot of questions I get asked. And it'd be nice to get them answered. This one is, I'm an assassin, and I seem to die a lot. What the fuck?
2: So who Um, asked this question?
0: (laughs) Every assassin. Either that, or it's a really dumb assassin who just keeps running in and dying.
2: They just don't know how to play their class. The assassin is supposed to be an assassin. You get in, you strike, you jump out.
0: Exactly. That's the problem. So many assassins get in there, and they just want to melee, melee, melee. Dude, you will die if you stay in there too long. AOE will kill you. Yeah.
2: A well-played assassin, especially in PvP, can go in, strike the monk, Get them down to where they can't do anything, or they can like cripple them in something and s- smash them a few more times. Jump away before anyone has a chance to, and like the monk bleeds to death or something. Yes. They're really, really effective yes. when you know how to play them.
0: If you make an assassin, think like an assassin. You're not
1: in there to just be a fighter. It's not what they're made for. They are a skirmishing class. They move in, they strike, they move away. They move in, they strike, they move away. That's why there are so many shadow stepping, teleporting type abilities for you to use so you can get out as well as get in.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of time the problem is they feel like, well, if I get out, I'm not pulling my weight. But if you die, you're really not pulling your weight. <laughs> yeah. If you get in, you strike, and you do a lot of damage, you've pulled your weight. Now you've earned yourself a little bit of downtime to catch a heal or two or to just at least switch your target or something. Yeah. Shadow yeah, step to somebody just, else. Even if you just go take a in break.
2: And- yeah, if you let's say I've played in a, um, an assassin in alliance battles. You go in and you go like smash on a monk, right? And even if you don't kill them, they're all of a sudden focusing entirely on themselves. And the rest of their little group gets wiped because the monk's not taking care of them anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The assassin is an amazing class, but it's real easy to suck at it too. Because it goes against a lot of notions, which is I'm going into a fight, so I need to be fighting this whole time. There are two classes that go. There are two professions that go in and actually fight consistently. That's a dervish and a warrior. And really, a warrior's probably the only one that should stay in when the spike gets real hard.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't played an assassin more because I like these finesse type classes usually, where it's like you got to be smart about how you play it. You know, use your skills at the right time and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a very high skill cap
1: profession, and I like that. I like to rain fiery death.
2: <sighs> yes, dear.
1: What? I can play an assassin. Actually, I don't think I've ever really played an assassin.
2: Would you play an assassin with Firestorm?
1: That would be terribly bro. That would be awesome. You just
0: teleport in, set off a Firestorm, make everything scatter, and get out. I did my job. <laughs> yeah.
2: I like how Alicia uses Fire... It's Alicia who uses Firestorm in that battle where you fight all the he- uh, the henchmen, right? Right. Oh, no, no. She's got a warrior build. That's what it is.
1: Oh, yeah. That's right. That's she's right. got a yeah.
2: sword and a warrior build. <laughs> 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 mm.
1: What up in the hizzy, dogs? Here's a pro tip,
0: so you can be rather pro. I'm going to start a two-part series on this one, and that is just discussions of every profession in PvE. So like we just kind of started to with assassins, we're going to talk about the professions in this game, what your role is. The first one... Monk
2: uses sword and wild blow.
0: Exactly, yes. So there's the monk for you. No, but really, the monk is like, it's the... The primary profession for healing. There's not really another profession that's going to heal as well. Much as I was giving accolade to that necromancer, I'm pretty ritualists, sure if there was
1: some sort of a chart, then... Ritualists can, but they're very defensive. Yes. Defensive yes. healing. They've got a lot of kind of protection things, especially with their um, weapon spells.
0: Yeah, and unlike a monk, when you put ritualists as your secondary for the purpose of healing, it's actually, in my opinion, a little more effective, because, um, because it's not balanced, are... around, not balanced around to
1: are... find favor. Yeah, that heals a are better because that you don't rely on divine favor so
2: they work well together
1: yeah. if you have a monk and a ritualist that's probably actually the best healing uh, a healing monk and a ritualist yes
0: yeah so like a, a prop monk a ritualist a healing ritualist is comparable to one of those where he's not going to recover after a huge nasty spike but he can prevent that spike in the first place pretty well Yep.
2: yeah the monk can bring you up from like you're almost dead to back to full much faster uh ritualists they kind of have to usually drop something beforehand that prevents you from getting that back
0: but yeah a monk is really really versatile though so, i mean they can bring everybody back to full after a huge aoe spike but they can also specialize in the protection um yeah. and they can there's even the bonder monks those are really cool i haven't done a whole lot of that myself but they place enchantments that just are maintained the entire time on the party. And all they really do is maintain their energy and throw out a heal once or twice here or there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I see those mostly that though. saw and...
2: of uh, the time that I was bonding in DOA, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> a...
2: like a zillion enchantments up.
0: <laughs> it's really hard. I don't know if it's really hard to keep your energy up doing that, but it's a little scary sometimes because you have to rely on the other monk to actually recover any damage that has truly happened. You're like, I can't do anything about that.
2: Well, there's a, You have to put your um, enchantments on in a certain order, and then the damage is reduced a lot before it ever gets to you. Yeah. And if you slap on to the tank, the one that every time he gets hit, you, like, get energy or something like that, then you're getting refilled. You bring Blessed Signet, I think is the one, that gives you energy for every single enchantment you're maintaining. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then it was, like, uh, Aura of Balthazar or something that gave you energy back. It's a smiting prayer. Huh? That's all I know. Or was it essence bond? Crap, I don't remember. <sighs> okay, so and then ritualists talking about the, what was their primary attribute? I forgot.
1: It's something that affects their spirits. I forget what it's called. Communing. Yes. Okay.
0: So ritualists, they they are uh, unlike the monk. Monks have
1: two. They actually have three trees that are about healing. Oh no, sorry. It's a uh, spawning power. Is what it's called. Creatures right. you create or animate have extra health. Weapon spells you cast last longer. So okay so um yeah the,
2: third tree is smiting
0: well i was gonna say divine favor i guess is kind of a tree too and that's kind of healing i mean they all mm-hmm. kind of have four so then yeah then there's are smiting where a ritualist switches that up a little bit their primary attribute is relevant to both damage and healing then they've got one restoration tree and then they've got two there's um communing and channeling which are more offensive
1: yes communing i think communing there's a mix Communing's a lot of those um, spirit skills, so there there are some offensive and some defensive spirits in communing. So. Okay,
0: ah, so ritualists really are pretty beefy in that department.
1: Yeah, and they're very very popular right now. Yeah, I like I like the ritual. I like playing the ritualist as a healer more than I like playing the monk as a healer. It seems very preparation based, also though. Yeah, it is.
0: Which I guess that makes it prop in a way,
1: very yeah. odd way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The uh the kind of um, the spirits the defensive spirits can be really really nice um there's like three or four of them that are particularly good for defense um and if you drop them all down they uh they can prevent a lot of damage or uh one of them is the spirit of life which is when the spirit dies just a sec it resurrects yeah when the spirit dies it resurrects everything within a certain range and the range is pretty big so and i think it also works through frozen soil yeah it does yep. yeah that's crazy
2: Mm-hmm. That works really well, especially if you know there are certain areas where you need to make a stand and so you stop in yep. one location you can drop everything there and you fight and then you move to your next location and drop everything again.
1: Yep, it sucks if you have to move a lot because you always end up leaving the spirit behind, but if you yep. have to stop a lot like a lot of the Kantha missions is you move, you stop in a location, you fight you move, you stop in a location, you fight. Mm-hmm. So in those the uh, the ritualist is really, really good.
0: And coming away from trees that are or professions that are healing-based, we've got the warrior, which is kind of the tank profession of Guild
1: Wars. Yeah,
0: I'm going to spoil what you said before, and I'm going to talk about the dervish too. Oh, fine. I guess they're both kind of tanks, so we might as well, huh?
1: Yeah, so the the warrior and the dervish are both tanks. They just go about it in different ways. The warrior has all his defensive stanzas, and um, his skills are designed to do damage and put conditions on things, whereas the dervish is all enchantment based you put all your enchantments on yourself and then you remove them to do various effects
0: yeah so the warrior for example doesn't heal himself as well but he doesn't take as much damage either so he's really good for spike damage whereas the dervish is good for consistent but small damage because he just refills his own health bar really really well and of course the dervish hits three targets at a time yeah that's pretty amazing my tank is a dervish yeah i my
1: tank is a dervish too.
0: But the thing about dervishes is, is a lot of times it seems to me that when people pull a Dervish in, they're asking him to do more damage than tanking. Um, yeah. But if you get a Dervish in there who's got, you know, Max Earth Prayers and he's using Avatar Balthazar or Duena or something, they're unstoppable suckers. They just don't dish out as much damage as the problem.
1: Yeah. but
2: There's always that trade-off whether you can have more survivability as your tank or deal more damage. And I, pl- I play a warrior as my tank, but uh, I think a problem that a lot of warriors have is they're always trying to put out the, the highest damaging skills. And so then they don't leave anything to be like, Oh crap buttons for healing themselves or protecting themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That trade off needs to exist. Otherwise everyone would just be the high damage tank. Yeah.
2: Right. And then there would be no reason to play something else.
0: Yeah. But, um yeah, so the warrior, he's the guy with all the, the heavy armor, doesn't take as much damage. Dervish is the, it's kind of a unique profession. I don't see, I don't think I've ever seen something like that in any other game. Have you guys?
1: Not that I can think of.
2: Champion? Lotro?
1: Not, well, I guess kinda. They're more, they're AoE melee damage, as opposed to, like, tanks. I guess just they can tank. Yeah,
2: they don't have anything that, like, protects themselves particularly.
1: Use a shield. <laughs> so
0: that's the tanks, and then the last one we'll talk about today is the Elementalist, which Cal and I, uh, you know, my most
1: accomplished character is an Elementalist.
2: Cal knows nothing about Elementalists.
1: No, I don't. Really? Um. Yeah, I <laughs> I tanked um the last mission in the Tyrion storyline with an Elementalist.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they make, well, if there's a Chapman removal, it can be a problem, but otherwise they make some of the best tanks.
1: Yeah. Well, well, enchantment removal is not a problem as long as um, when you're going into it, everyone knows which mobs have enchantment removal, and you pop a skill that makes you immune to spells, and they kill the guys with enchantment removal before it wears off. Yeah, that's true. It's like obsidian flesh or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, an that's Earth Elementalist. exactly how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> so an
0: Earth Elementalist is. That's the school of uh, magic that an Elementalist can invest in that makes them incredibly strong, it adds yeah. armor. It adds uh, damage reduction, stuff that stacks really, really well. And I've coupled that with Earth Prayers on a Dervish, and then thrown in Mystic Regeneration, and it was insane. Mm, yeah,
2: a lot of Earth skills are you get up into close range to things and like knock everything down or you know hit the ground basically and make ripples outwards in a close burst formation. So you have it's a lot of damage, but you have to be close to the enemies.
0: They've got a couple that are really good also for distance. So it's it's not to be written off as damage also. So it was a sandstorm and churning earth things like that.
1: Yeah, a lot yeah. of the, but a lot of oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of the earth damaging skills are actually kind of defensive too. Like a sandstorm does damage, but only does a lot of damage if the target's attacking. Mm-hmm. So the main reason to drop it is to try and discourage enemies from attacking in that area.
2: There's some Elona missions where the uh, earth elementalists are really nasty to kill.
0: Yeah, well, they've even got, um, Dragon Stomp. That's an AoE knockdown. And you know when it's happened because everybody falls down. All kinds of damage just happened. Earth Elementalists, that's they're massive, me too. Yeah. So there's the Earth School. And, um, if you're really into just doing damage, I mean, you make an Elementalist. They're kind of the mage of Guild Wars. Um, you would probably want to go fire. That's one of the most common schools of magic in Elementalist trees. And that's just AoE damage.
1: Yeah, the Elementalist has two main damage-dealing lines, which are fire and air. Fire deals a decent amount of damage across a large area. Air deals a very high amount of damage to a single target. Yeah, and then I the I used last... to play
2: fire a lot, but I play water mainly nowadays on my Elementalist.
1: Water's the controlling type. It has all these kind of movement-restricting-impairing abilities. Mm-hmm. Interrupts Maelstrom... Mean. Yeah, yeah. So okay, it's the controlling, it's the limiting the enemies as opposed to like dealing damage or protecting yeah. your
2: it's probably why I like it because you can kind of manipulate manipulate the enemies a little more. Like, like I enjoyed, like I said, the finesse classes where you, you know, go, I want to mess up that person, and you yep. decide what you're gonna do to them.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's all we've got there for the pro tips and the professions. Um guess we're getting ready to sign off out of here. So to get hold of us, guys, you can send us your emails, questions, comments, and MP3s at relicsofor, relicsoforr at gmail.com. You can call us at 708-202-9262. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Just look up relicsofor and we've also got forums here on the website at relicsofwar.com. You can sign up there and chat with us there so that we can talk about in-game events, maybe recruit you into the guild, because we are recruiting. Um, I had something else that we could use the forums for, and I've completely forgotten.
2: Debating whether pie or cake is better?
1: Pie. I think the all of us question, are agreement on pie. The real question is, which kind of pie is the best? I'm perfectly willing to have that argument. Yeah, it's My lemon. mother-in-law makes there's the no best argument.
2: shepherd's pie ever.
1: That's not really pie, but yes, it is awesome. <laughs> What's in a shepherd's pie is it It's like... um it's um a ground beef base with mashed potatoes on top.
0: Hmm. So I was going to say is there
1: like veal? No this is it... a veal? No. It's called it's called shepherd's pie because it looks like a sheep because it's got mashed potatoes on top and it's all fluffy. But oh. there's no
2: sheep in it cuz I don't like lamb, Ew.
0: It's yeah, just, like, huh? closer to a pot pie than a desert pie. Desert pie? Did I just say that? Dessert pie? Yeah. Wow, inflections. <laughs> They're pro. Yes.
1: You're so awesome with language.
2: <laughs> I was thinking that one of the mounts that they have in Guild Wars 2, I would like to ride on Joe, the little scorpion guy with the two tails. <sighs> you sit on and like, giddy up, Joe.
0: I was going to take my hand at the I love you too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> grumble, crumble. Can you imagine how that's gonna sound after I mash it all up and remove the silences? It's just gonna be constant <laughs> sighing on Cal's part.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> well,
0: I guess on that terrible note, we are going to do a wheel of morality. Someone else has to do it. Has to ask. Okay. okay. A star can do that.
2: Uh-huh. No.
1: <laughs> I'm not doing it. You have to ask yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You guys can take as long as you like because I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> awesome. You, you
2: wrote your own show notes and past- decided <laughs> you were the one who's going to do the Wheel of Morality and still didn't think of something.
0: That's exactly right. Touch you guys, I'm I'm pro.
2: So maybe the Wheel of Morality should be like, never come prepared for your own podcast.
0: I suppose. You- awesome. <laughs> I You guys still have to ask.
2: No, that was it.
0: No, no one said Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. Why don't we have to do it in some other like celebrity voice or something and ask myself? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Just name a name a celebrity.
1: Go back to uh, you.
2: Uh, you said what did you do good? What was um Christopher Walken?
0: I've done that one before, yes.
2: But I
0: take requests.
2: like you could be the governor of California.
1: <laughs> no, I, 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 I want I want to hear some Bar- Barack Obama.
0: Okay. Oh geez.
1: Uh, will of morality. Uh, turn turn turn.
0: <laughs> Tell us the uh, lesson that. Uh, we should learn uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you talk to my boy, you don't talk to him all wrong, especially not in the wrong tone. If you do it again, I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron.
1: I'm Ryan. I'm Lady Sinead. And I'm Cal Agram. See you guys.
2: Bye, bye bye. Sorry if I hurt you with anything I said.
1: Sorry when you need. I chose myself instead I was wrong Did
2: you stay too long? Hey, you're always silly anyway
0: You can't hose me now with your chats and crap, I can see
2: <laughs> The Swedish chef has little baby Moppet shrimpies or the little lobsters Boyly and Bernie the shrimpies
0: you know I'm still recording, right? Uh-huh. That might make it onto the show or so. I like to say names backwards. And I found that Joe Sackick from the Colorado Avalanche has an awesome name because of that. Okay. His name backwards is kick.
2: <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> but then I went through another stage where I was taking the first consonant or first two consonants in a name and flipping them with the last name. So you'd have like um, Charles Barkley would be Barles Charkley. Mm-hmm. And, and as I was watching the NBA uh, There was one match where Scottie Pippen was in it That one made me laugh Because it was potty skipping